Well, Jess, welcome back to Spilling the Tea. It's great to have you back on for part two of our our podcast. Thank you for having me. Very excited to get into these questions. Um, I was shocked. So obviously the end year, I always get stats from Spotify and our episode last year was my most listened to episode. So I was like, we definitely have to do part two. People are that interested in like gut and hormones and... Um, we got such great feedback from that episode. And I think that was even before we co- we launched our course. I think we recorded that like last February, didn't we? And we were only yeah. talking like the, the whole Good Hormone Connection course was like the wheels were still in motion. Yes. So I don't think, yeah, was that last February? I think Gosh. so. Do you remember came over? I think, yeah. Um, yeah, we did the podcast and we did like a day of content. We were trying to get like the course of like, it just was. of it. Yeah time flies so we had such an incredible launch last year such amazing feedback from our founding females and now anyone can sign up to the course and really go through all things gut and hormones Mm -hmm. so great to see how a year has gone past yeah yeah and where will we be this time next year as well Mm -hmm. and we obviously want to keep this podcast super informative so like our plan we have to put in a question box on instagram and we just want to go through some of your questions because the thing about like anything like digestive and hormone related if you were thinking it or suffering with it so it's literally like 50 other people or more than that obviously so it's something that i think a q a we thought would be a really good idea to actually see what your questions were coming in but to give you a little brief um description of the course and we're not going to sit here and be spammy and be salesy but just in case you haven't listened to the first episode I will link it below as well we basically created like a 12-week online program for anyone struggling with digestive issues and like hormonal imbalances so anything from you know bloating constipation gas reflux and things like PMS low mood for your period acne cravings the works and it might seem like these two things are completely separate when actually like they're so so closely linked together like myself and Jess we would always focus on gut health for anyone who um comes into us for hormones it's actually like step one of the equation so yeah basically this is where the idea behind the course came that we wanted to basically educate you and you know help you along the way each week basically covers a different topic um so by the end of 12 weeks, you have enough knowledge there that you can take with you long term. It's not just like kind of a quick fix. Um, Jess, give them actually a really brief introduction on like your background in like a minute. Because if just in case someone did listen to the first podcast, they're like, who is this girl? Why is she not? Yeah. <laughs> Why have the two of us just... Why are they doing this? <laughs> yeah. So I suppose very brief introduction. Me and Ashling, we qualified together many, many moons ago. And I came straight over to London after we qualified. And the direction my nutritional therapy um, took me was I started working for a lot of private clinics based in London. I worked for a functional medicine lab where I analyzed thousands of stool test results, educated a lot of nutritionists, dietitian, functional medicine doctors, GPs on how to interpret comprehensive stool tests for their clients suffering with gastrointestinal symptoms. So I've seen so many patterns of microbiomes, like what would be called dysbiosis. If there's an imbalance, I've been able to see how people are digesting, absorbing, basically how people are responding to their environment and what type of gut symptoms they may experience. So in my private clinic, I work with a lot of gut issues, hormonal issues, fertility issues. 
So myself and Ashling, we decided to put our two brains together. And we did say this back when we were, when we qualified that one day. One day we we'll will come back together. <laughs> yeah. Go eventually some sort of business together yeah exactly and that's what's led to the gut hormone connection we wanted to create this community of women that really want to learn about their hormones and their gut health and the importance of addressing both because that's the feedback both of us get in our clinic is that we tell people you're really going to learn a lot about your body and learn how you're responding to your food, your environment. And so we decided to take that and create this community where you get access to all this material, but also you're on a private group consultation with me and Ashling twice a month with everyone in the community and it's really nice people get to share their experiences share their wins and it's so great to see how people have made changes in their in their diet and how it's really improved their gut and hormone health but they've come away with all of this information on what it actually means Mm -hmm. and yeah so we're really proud of what we've created yeah. so far I think yeah we're both so passionate about education like as you know mm. the whole reason I do the podcast is because like I just think I always say things we should have been taught in schools so the course is no different to that like I think that's what we wanted to create from it. a lovely community that you know a lot of like-minded people especially you can learn from people like if you're on week two and someone's on week 11 and they're talking about like oh my god like I remember you know so much better the boating is gone I just feel like that's so motivating for people and like Jess mentioned a big part of it is that while it's an online course you do it in your own time we do have what we call group consultations every um twice a month so it's like an hour call let you sit and chat and what we've also done is people have access to those consultations for six months so even after you finish the course you can still jump on and pick our brains or you know something else has come up and so yeah, we're we're loving it so far and we're loving meeting new people and um we're also getting great feedback. So I'll leave the course details below if you do want to check it out. Um but let's get into the episode. Let's have a little look yes. at our QA, see what people sent us in on Instagram. Um okay, first question. Chronic heartburn, all fruit flares me up. How to sort it? Okay, so the first thing I would think of there is, and this is something that we cover in the course quite early on, mindful eating. And the response that, let's say, kind of stress can have on our gut and on our nervous system, because it's important to understand actually how the digestive system works. So when we're thinking of heartburn, we're thinking of acidity in the stomach. And the digestive system needs to be in what's called parasympathetic nervous response, which is rest and digest. So when we're stressed, we're in the sympathetic nervous response, which is fight or flight, wear and tear. And so that's really important to establish first, because me and Ashing, we're always thinking of what is the root cause to these symptoms? It's not just as well as, okay, you know, take something to neutralize the acid in your stomach. It's like, why is this happening? So if fruit really flares up the acid reflux. I'd be thinking of the sugar that's in fruit, which is called fructose. Now, could it be that your body's ability to absorb or digest kind of complex sugars 
it, your immune system is kind of being so when we're thinking of an intolerance we're thinking of how your body is actually breaking down and absorbing when we're thinking of a sensitivity we're thinking of an immune response okay so let's start with intolerance first could it be that your body's ability to absorb complex sugars could be triggering the acid reflux could it be more of an underlying mechanism to do with the stress response and your body's hydrochloric acid, like the acid formation in the stomach? So there is kind of a couple of things there that I would start with is, OK, see, are you more in the rest and digest the parasympathetic nervous response? Are you mindfully eating your food? And if all of those are okay, then potentially look at, okay, could it be the fructose that I could have an intolerance to um, avoiding that temporarily? And, you know, I generally say work with a practitioner on this because you don't want to be deficient and you really want to understand if it is a fructose intolerance. So there would be the, the key things that I would look at. And, you know, certainly that this is why we started with gut basics uh, the first week on week one, because it's really important to establish those key things around how the digestive system is working. So hopefully that answered your question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you said there about like your environment is so important. Like is this mm -hmm. person like grabbing a piece of fruit, flying into work, like after having a coffee beforehand? And exactly. Or is it after like a massive dinner and you're having fruit as a snack afterwards, which is sometimes a little bit hard to digest after having a big meal or like that, like, you know, that they are they on loads of medication and maybe it's actually got to do with like gut imbalance that we need to support. Like I'm always like the nitty gritty things that actually break down your food mm. for you, like digestive enzymes and probiotics and stomach acid and stuff. So sometimes I know these answers can be a little bit annoying because we can't give like, this direct answer but I think like all digestive issues what Jess just said there is such a good like step one um in terms of like rest and digest I always say you can either run from a tiger or you can digest your food like yeah. your body's not going to do both it's going to prioritize so always keep that in mind and even though like you might not think that like sitting in work and doing emails is particularly stressful. Like emotional stress has the same impact on your gut as even like like I'm saying they'll be maybe in life for work or whatever it is. So just everyone keep that in mind. Um, next question. Um, B12 is around a thousand. All other bloods are normal. Is this too high for trying to conceive? So first thing is kind of, it's, it's, we always talk about like a jigsaw puzzle. This is like one piece of the puzzle and we don't mm. have the rest of the puzzle. So, you know, if this is my client or any of my clients, I'm always encouraging them, like stop all your supplements before you get bloods done. Like if you're vegetarian, a lot of things are fortified with B12 as well. So, you know, you might be getting it from that. So is it actually a thousand or is it that, you know, it's actually from supplementation it's a thousand? Because I can imagine if this woman is on or she's trying to conceive, she's probably on some sort of prenatal supplement. Yes, um, as well, I'd say. Yeah. So if you're on a prenatal, I'd say I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Like what you could do is stop your supplement to get things rechecked. And we'd always look at the folate level as well, making sure they're actually balanced with each other. So you could stop all your supplements and get things, get those rechecked. And then that would be kind of a true reading of your levels. And that goes kind of without saying for anyone getting bloods done, like make sure you stop your supplements. We say five days. Would you agree five days? Yeah, minimum two days. And yeah. When I'm trying to get a complete, like, let's say this woman, this is a repeat test and she's not on supplements. 
So I would want to look at as well how you're absorbing B12. So I tend to look at what's called methylmalonic acid in the urine. And this gives me an indication around absorption of B12 and folate. Uh, what's really important for fertility is methylation. So looking at how you're absorbing, if this is a repeat test and you're not on supplements, I think would be my next steps. But like Ashing said, it's more commonly like I often see B12 high in bloods and I either take them off the supplements if they hadn't stopped already and do a repeat. Sometimes it's not accurately represented. And that's why I go down the absorption route in some cases, not all. Yeah. Um, okay, another question. I've IBSC on pill for 10 years, off now for one year. Skin still bad and bloat and no energy. SOS. Okay. <laughs> first thing. We're like, this is like the classic kind of like client or classic person that we created this course for. Like course for, yeah, exactly. Coming off the pill, have absolutely no idea, like having ovulated in the ears, like trying to get your grips with their hormones. Digestion's not 100%, like IBS, kind of like, not that it's wishy-washy, but like there's so much nutritional advice you can do. Like IBS, I would say, is not a lifelong diagnosis. Like that's very yeah. much like we can 100% support it. Um, The big elephant in the room when me and Jess read this is the 10 years on birth control. Like I'm sure her poor gut has had taken a little bit of a hit. So, you know, we definitely would be focusing on gut repair. And like I said, even at the very, very start, step one of supporting hormones is addressing gut health. So if she's struggling with constipation, I mean, of course her skin you know, it's more likely to break out. Of course, she's exactly. more likely to have PMS. So it's like bottom bricks and house is definitely addressing the constipation and supporting her gut health. And um, my good biome. I'm yeah. assuming she's taking the oral contraceptive pill. Um, if I presume so, I think it's like on, on the pill. Yeah. 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 So if you're taking it orally, it is going to impact your microbiome. So it, like I kind of, mentioned earlier an imbalance in the bacteria in your microbiome can be called what's a dysbiosis so looking at things in your diet like probiotic and prebiotic foods to help with bowel movements certainly going to have an impact on your skin because it's going to put a burden on your liver and kind of be more toxic and where does that come out comes out through the skin so Anything that's going to get the bowels moving, support your microbiome. And we go into this so much in the course, don't we? Like there's a whole week dedicated to probiotics and prebiotics nearly. So. Yeah, and supporting your microbiome. And yeah, like, exactly. You know, we give recipes like, like, you know, each week we kind of try to give people really easy, like a checklist almost or like things to yeah. do. And it could just be something as simple as like trying at like, two pieces of fruit that you would normally eat or like all these like small little improvements people then can keep up so yeah that was a good question I feel like loads of people are very similar and maybe a lot of people don't realize the importance of addressing gut health for things for example even acne in itself yeah. like it's so important and um, this one's maybe a little bit controversial but is tap water okay for hormone health Mm, my so, thought is where uh, you live yeah where you <laughs> live in the middle of London like so yeah someone might be like from their local well in the middle of Colomara like you can't yeah. really compare those two things it's a little bit controversial and then yeah. I'm always thinking with my clients concentration and duration yeah so what that means is like concentration how many other 
toxic elements are you exposed to in your environment? Like, could you also be, you know, putting on loads of chemicals on your skin? Are you also, you know, cooking with plastics? Like, are you, you know, what is the concentration of other toxicants in your environment pollution like if you live in the city exactly like I know living in London like I have an app on my phone that will tell me what the the quality of the air is at certain times so I'll know not that I run outside anyway (laughs) (laughs) if I wanted to if I wanted to run outside (laughs) um, it's more actually for my husband because he runs (laughs) and cycles outside every day nearly so I'm always kind of checking the quality of the air and so it's really around concentration so what else in your environment are you exposed to because there is so much fear mongering on online like on social media it's like there's all these people saying you know toxic this and toxic that and it's like oh, hold on a minute I might be well able to support you know these kind of toxicants in my environment because I'm I don't have as many around me so think of concentration so are you drinking loads of tap water is that your main water source what invite like where do you live what's the quality of it um, because it can be just as simple as just getting a, a Brita filter jug and that's yeah. how you drink your water. And then duration. So have you been exposed to these for a long period of time? So if your concentration is high and your duration is high and you've got loads of hormonal issues, then yes, looking at your environment and reducing your toxic exposure and like this is why we kind of went into this on week was that is it week 11? We go into this or week eight. Yeah, one of them. One of, the one of, the, one of the weeks. Yeah. Um, because we want to make sure that you're getting re- your digestive system, so yeah. liver support, your hormones, and then get to looking at the toxins in your environment. Because you might get to that stage and be like, oh, well, I'm well able to cope with, like my liver's in a good place. I have regular elimination, so I'm, my bowel movements are regular. I'm sweating. I'm doing everything to support my detoxification. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if those are high and there's hormonal issues, then I'd be looking at my environment, maybe just using a Brita filter. Or, you know, don't cook with plastic, you know, or don't heat things up in plastic. Don't drink out of a plastic bottle, you know, those types of things I'd be looking at. Yeah, there's a really good episode. So Primal Podcast, who's Dan, who's my producer of this podcast. He did a really, really good episode with a water company. Um, I actually have a filter now in my house as well. I think like if you've bought your house and you're settled and you're there, like I can smell the chlorine in my water. Yeah. And we were getting our water filtration system put in your man was it she liked to us I've like can you smell that he was like I have I haven't been to a place as bad as this in a long time my hair goes green when I wash my hair oh wow so, me being pregnant at the moment like I'm so I'm like I'm not gonna drink chlorine water <laughs> like you're so yeah. conscious of it so you know I've lived a good few places around like North County Dublin and some of the water is absolutely horrific so I think if you're in the position where you're settled you're living there like definitely worth investing and looking into um getting a filtration system in your house because not everything this is a very fine line of like what needs to be filtered out and what they filter out like you know like Irish water and things like that the big water filtration companies they can't remove everything from the water mm. um so yeah, definitely. If to be honest, it was. It's not even that expensive anymore. Like I think, like I know my mum and dad got a filtration system recently, and I think it was about six hundred euro for the whole house. Whereas, like when I first, but even a Berkey, like a Berkey yeah. is yeah, a Berkey. like it, that's like the best, you know, 
I haven't researched heavily into the ones um, in Ireland that you're talking about, but like a Berkey filter, even if you're just renting, it doesn't yeah. look great aesthetically. It looks like but it's still like, yeah. like, like the tea, water. you know, the. Yeah. Um, I was like mass. After yeah. mass, and you go in for like tea and coffee, and this those big like steel canisters. Big steel drum things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it looks like that, but they're about less than 200 euro yeah, on, they're quite on Amazon. And or even like the Brita filters doing something like that. I have to say, I actually struggle when I go back home to Ireland uh, with the tap water. Like every time I go home, the first thing I buy is filtered water. And like my family have filter jog things in the house, but I just I can't. The tap water, I notice such yeah. a difference in taste. Now, I have a filter in my house here in London, but like, you know, occasionally I'd come into contact with with ta- yeah, um, right. unfiltered tap yeah. water, like yeah. when you're out. Yeah, exactly. But the yeah. taste is so different. So I don't yeah. know. Is there like a difference in the in more, like you said, chlorine maybe in the tap water in Ireland? I'd love to know. Like it's yeah. a battle because I'm so blonde as well. It's a battle that I have lived yeah, for the last ten years, trying to like not be blonde and not get your hair wrecked. Honestly, it's like, where I'm the same. Like the I'm same, not, but yeah. I don't have that issue here in yeah. in London. So maybe there is quite a difference in the concentration in Ireland. Yeah. Like the next time we buy another house, I'm gonna have to be like, can I wash my hair here before we go? <laughs> like I'm not even. Ch- I'm gonna have to. Yes, the shower. I don't know what I know now. Maybe wouldn't have bought here. I don't. Know. Okay, <laughs> our next question. <laughs> um, I get such bad hangovers for me from one glass of wine. I may have well said this in myself. Um, is this gut related? Jess, take yes, it away. I remember. Absolutely. I think I had one glass of wine one night and I was dead the next day. And I remember doing like a deep dive into why this is happening. So um, all about the liver. So you can fill us in. Absolutely. So it's around your body's ability to be able to break down and clear uh, specific toxins. So I kind of look at it from two angles. Yes, I'm I want to establish how their gut, their gut microbiome, their intestinal lining, so intestinal permeability because what happens when you drink alcohol first of all is it weakens the gut lining, okay? That can cause things like toxins to enter through to the bloodstream which puts pressure on the liver, okay? And when we drink alcohol and that raises, what happens is we can get higher histamine response. You can feel quite, people can get quite a um, nasal congestion, yeah. a lot of mucus, red faces. Red faces. Yeah. So that can certainly be a genetic um, variation that a person's ability to break down ADH, acetyl dihydrogenase. Yeah. That's the toxin. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is when your body that that raises and your body, then your liver is trying to cope. So it's quite toxic mm-hmm. and, and harmful for the body as well. So I would be thinking temporarily remove alcohol, do some cup barrier support, support the microbiome. But, you know, especially from what you could do to help with the gut lining I'd be thinking a lot of stuff like marshmallow roots slippery elm just to help things like zinc as well Well, and then 
Yeah, bone broth, 100%. Mm-hmm. And all things that are quite soothing, but doing that for an extended period of time, not just the next morning or the few days after you drink alcohol, if you are getting those reactions, that is quite toxic for the body. Like when you have a hangover, that is incredibly toxic for the yeah. body. Yeah. So we like to just ignore these things because <laughs> alcohol is so socially accepted. Yeah, the problem is you're yeah. dying Sunday and then by Friday you forget and you're like, oh my God, I love a few drinks. It's so like, basically it's, yeah. the way I, I learned it or the way it kind of resonated with me is that it's not the alcohol making you hungover, it's the byproduct of alcohol because your body can't break it down as efficiently. So, you know, the less you drink, the less your body has to break it down, which makes so much sense, but it's just your body's inability to break it down, which makes you so much more hungover. Supplement wise, like milk thistle is amazing supplement. Milk thistle is a really, really funny one. So like my mom was a herbalist for 30 years. Um, I'm obviously herbalist now as well. We always err on the side of caution with milk Mm. thistle. Like my mom has never given it to people who were on any medication, like contraceptive Mm -hmm. pill. We've always done that. And yet, kind of recent research and recent things they don't really seem to have the cautions on them so it's kind of a, like I still would err inside caution I would never give someone milk this if they're even on birth control but I don't think other herbalists are in the same mindset as me anymore so that's kind of a funny one like and it's quite a thing yeah it's I suppose down to dosage as well and the type yeah. of medication and the times they're taking their medication as well yeah. so yeah. if there's like when you're thinking of that kind of half-life and you know the the yeah it, it it is important because it's put in a lot of supplements now that people can just buy off the shelf yeah and when like as we go through with our clients if anyone's on any medication you have to cross check any of the ingredients are even working on the same mechanism that the medication is trying to yeah. is is working on so that's very important but kind of back to the alcohol and like ethanol is toxic when when they're doing studies on ethanol rats won't even go near ethanol <laughs> but yet us as humans we're like we just, more shots more like, shots it's I know. and if you let's say you have an imbalance again in the microbiome and you have high yeast so let's say candida is a, a common one that a lot of people hear about or know about candida produces its own ethanol in the body so you could already have high ethanol in the body because you have a candida issue and then you put more ethanol in on top of that you know you're 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 going to feel the side effects so with things like candida and i see this so often is if you're getting symptoms like increased tiredness irritability anxiety low mood gut issues like constipation or diarrhea bloating craving sugar I would be thinking, okay, there could be um, more of a yeast here and not enough beneficial bacteria. And especially um, wine versus like spirits. So yes, absolutely. Versus saying specifically one glass of wine, that's you looking at like the yeast and the histamine response versus yeah. like a gin and slimline tonic or a lot of people kind of get away with the spirits more for that mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Um, so there's a kind of couple of angles there that I would be yeah. questioning um okay another question I'm never hungry in the morning is it okay to skip breakfast and just drink coffee until lunch I've heard this is bad for hormones so again in our course like we have a whole section on basically like lifestyle factors that impact hormones that people don't realize like I'm always talking about things like you know you might seem like you're absolutely on the ball getting up in the morning five o'clock in the morning doing your spin class just having coffee until 12 because you're not hungry eating at 12 like just a salad no carbs like you know, you're really lean, you're looking great, but your hormones are all over the place. So this question kind of, we kind of say it depends on the person, but generally for females, like 
the problem with this from my perspective is first of all I always say it's fine not to have breakfast once you're honoring your hunger cues like you know you getting a bit peckish at 10 o'clock and having another coffee is not honoring your hunger cues that's you suppressing your appetite which is one of the things that coffee does and you're going to also impact your stress levels so from a hormone perspective it's not ideal so I don't mind people skipping breakfast once they eat when they get hungry um and for this girl, she might be putting too much stress on her body then. Like by the time then 12 o'clock comes around, she's probably absolutely ravenous, like so hungry. I think it's really hard to make healthy decisions as well when you're angry. Um, so I think it depends on the person. But I, I, even some of my clients who do this, I'm like, just go decaf for a couple of days and, and see how much hungry you are. Like if it's more just like they think they're not hungry in the mornings, I'm like, get up, have your decaf coffees. And let's see what time you get hungry at. And they come back from like, oh my God, I'm fucking starving at half nine. Yeah. <laughs> they and don't, the impo- they the don't have their coffee. Thing, yeah. The important yeah. thing there as well is like, because there's so much uh, really great research coming out about intermittent fasting. And there's so much stuff online that people are listening to in regards to the benefits to it. And they talk about having, uh, you can have a coffee in the morning and then have your first meal when you break your fast. Let's say it's 12 o'clock. That's okay if, you know, because a lot of these studies are done on healthy individuals. So we, when we're making it more personalized to the individual, first thing I look at is, are you having the coffee with the milk? Like, are you having it with oat milk? Because that's just going to spike your blood sugars. Mm -hmm. That's going to send your, that is going to break your fast. And that's going to spike your blood sugars because unfortunately, oat milk is just like drinking a cup of sugar because it's just starch yeah so it's going to spike your blood sugars and then what will happen is when it spikes it will your blood sugars will drop so by the time it comes to having your meal you're in a blood sugar dysregulation so the choices that you pick for your first meal might not be the ones that you would have you know ideally liked to like to go with so then I'd be thinking okay are you more in a blood sugar dysregulation that's actually going against what let's say if you are trying to intermittent fast so they're the important things to establish as well so if you're as Ashling said if you have a lot of hormonal imbalances then maybe switch that coffee to a decaf without any milk and then if you're kind of intermittent fasting it might carry you to your first meal then which is at be a lot more balanced, higher protein, healthy fats that would keep your blood sugars regulated, support your insulin. And then, yeah, I think they would be the the kind of main things when we're looking at the coffee. But we we did go through the importance of this mm-hmm. um, in the I'll say from a home. practitioner perspective, like I really don't think women should fast for that long the same as like their partners and I just see such differences in hormones even if we pull it forward from 12 till half like 10 o'clock like or half 10 like I think it makes such a difference so just because your husband can do it doesn't mean that you can do it like a lot of initial research on intermittent fasting was done on men because it's harder to like how can you know from a research perspective they have to retract the menstrual cycle there's so many other variables involved um, so don't feel like you're failing if you're like, oh my God, my husband or my partner, like he can do it. Like he feels fine. Like I know my husband, sometimes I'm like on my lunch and he's going to have to make breakfast. I mean, if you're not yeah. eating, he's like, no, I'm not really hungry. Like I'll just eat now or no, I skip breakfast yeah. morning. And I am literally like, I would be a corpse in the corner. Like I know for me, because my job, it's so 
like I have to be on I'm interacting with people like I exercise in the morning like I just would not be able to not eat until one o'clock so I think it depends on your environment your job like you know so exactly. many different factors so and then also what yeah. you are eating in that window as well because what's yeah. happening with women is they're skipping in their entire meal whereas we need a lot more fuel and different nutrients micronutrients to actually facilitate a menstrual cycle so what can happen with some women is that they end up losing their cycle yeah. or their cycle becomes elongated you know it's really important to st- establish foundations first and then if you want to go into intermittent fasting slowly ease the way in working with with someone um because yeah that that's what I tend to see women can end up skipping cycles yeah um okay I'll answer like maybe like one or two more we said we keep this short and sweet I actually have no idea how long we've recorded um supplements to help regulate your period after coming off the pill I think again this girl would be so ideal for the course and again I know we sound real like sales and do our course but like this is the whole reason we rethink this and like yes girl like do the course so <laughs> It's kind of a funny one. There's no real specific ones. Like I kind of say, like, see how you're, you're, see how you get on. Like I am a big advocate for supplementation when you're on birth control and understanding things get like reduced absorptions. Like your B vitamins are massively reduced. Yeah, B, zinc. zinc is massively mm. reduced. And the mad thing about zinc is it's so important. Like say that girl earlier on, she came off to bed, her skin's been in bits. Zinc is so important for yeah. skin. So imagine you've been on the pill for 10 years, you come off the pill, your skin is more likely to flare up because you're good as fact from being on birth control. Your skin goes mad and you have very little zinc to help your skin repair and help Mm. control an androgen surge and all this. So, you know, it's again, kind of more individual based, but even just being on a really good multivitamin probably will be fine coming off birth control for her. And we do actually have a full week on supplements actually in the course as well. And instead of just... Like we don't recommend individual. Everyone is so different. It's kind of more like nutrients that you get from foods. From and foods. actually, Jess, that's the her. This was her week, and she did an amazing job of this week and put like meals together of how to get magnesium from your food, how to get things from your food, and just gives them a bit more of indication instead of relying on supplements long term. Actually, understanding and how we get it from food sources as well. Yeah, because supplements in some cases they're just there to supplement a diet you need to make sure that your foods that you're getting the right micronutrients from your foods because otherwise these supplements they're not they're not going to work no supplement can replace a poor diet um so that's what we go through in week that's what we go through in week 10 so yeah it's all the end of it we couldn't go through all of the micronutrients but we went through some of the important ones when it comes to gut and hormone health and then what those nutrients actually look like in your diet uh which i think is so important rather than like Ashing said, just relying. Cause like, what would you do when you, when you stop the supplements, you want to make sure that you are able to maintain and you're getting it from your foods. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll answer one more. This, no, it won't be controversial. I feel like we're probably have the same opinion on this brand. Thoughts on the JS Health Detox Debloat supplements that are pushed online. I love that phrase pushed online the first thing I would say with this is be so wary of influences being like guys this is my tummy three weeks ago and this is it now yeah anyone can just suck in their tummy and take a picture like and I've gotten new very very what I'm trying to say here I've gotten a lot of emails from this company asking me to work with them and like you know this kind of thing so my opinion is they're an absolutely 
brilliant brand in terms of like I'm obsessed with their their ingredients being a herbalist and being a nutritional therapist and seeing what the formulations are and I find them very very handy if I have Australian clients for example and I can't really give them herbs I'd love to give them like four or five different things like the way I use herbal medicines I put I do blends together there could be 10 herbs in one bottle so I actually find them brilliant for that I think they're great quality but I think me and Jess had like a brief conversation before we jumped on this call some of them like they they're very close to the edge in terms yeah in terms of what's in them so I think like I mentioned earlier like you know milk thistle and like dandelion root is another one that I'd be very very cautious of like if you're taking that in high doses that can actually impact the absorption of your medications girls your contraceptive pill don't be lashing in the dandelion tea or dandelion <laughs> capsules and you see influencers talk about it all the time and I'm like oh my god like as a herbalist you'd be very conscious of it or certain things I've seen have things like lemon balm lemon balm might always be recommended for things if you're like on altroxin for example or other mm. kind of things so there's all I just think there's a little bit of a fine line but I do think they're great supplements I've personally seen yeah. really good results with them using them with clients yeah I have to say when I first looked at them I I do rate them and I really I can I really understand what angle she's coming at with her formulations and I think fair play to her you know when I looked into I think it's the hair is it hair and bloat or hair there, there's one one range that's to do with hair growth. Um, and when I looked into it, I was like, OK, I can see where she's coming. That's brilliant. But my one worry, again, is the the iodine, I think is like high iodine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I haven't looked at it in a while, but I think it's got high iodine. Now, if you're someone that does have a thyroid issue, what I see in clinic is a lot of thyroid issues can be related to high, you know, autoimmune related but you see your doctor won't look into autoimmune because it's still kind of the same treatment is still thyroxin but what can happen is there could be like thyroiditis before it goes into let's say hypothyroidism so anyone who has thyroid issues will know what I'm talking about but that you could (laughs) maybe not okay but what can happen is you're and thyroid is so neglected people have a clue yeah yeah, they really yeah. do. But what happens is like, let's say you've got high thyroid antibodies, what's called looking at your TPO. So your, your thyroid peroxidase, your TGO. So let's say you have high thyroid antibodies. So if you take high iodine, that's actually contraindicated. So I would always want to establish, well, if you've got hypothyroidism and that's why you're losing your hair and then you take high iodine, then without knowing if you've got the autoimmunity side of it, that could be contraindicated as well. So I think overall, you know, I really like the angle she's coming at. I think she's getting great results. But as Ashling said, it is coming very close to a fine line for some cases. And I know she, you know, she puts disclaimers and all of that. Um, But that was my other worry on the hair growth one. I can't remember the name. Like I think if it, if you're going to spend your money on supplements, they are a good brand, definitely. But I, their, their marketing is just like, I feel like over-marketing actually turns me away from things. Cause I'm like, yeah. the brand speaks for itself. Like certain brands, I'm like, why are they pushing so much? Like they're, the brand's actually really good that may not need. I think sometimes people get turned off by. Like what's the other one that's really, really market, um, athletic greens. Oh, a lot of greens improve. Yeah. Like, I mean, we could name like the other night in my head, it's the wild deodorant like wild I love wild like I've honestly spent so much money trying to find a good natural deodorant I've repurchased wild I'd say over 10 times myself like I always Do you know I it. don't I, I can't like it I can't wear it it clogs like I get swollen like 
No, that's, yeah, when I, no, I, it's the only one that I've found like works for me. And like, I'd be going to the gym, but they're like, when I say to clients, they're like, oh, like I, I didn't buy it because it's such an every single influencer's page. It's funny sometimes how things like that do sometimes yeah. turn you off if you're um seeing things online all the time. Um, like my favorite one is Salt What's, your, what's your favorite? So I've used Salt to the Earth so, like I've been using it for years now. So maybe it's just, you know, I can't go from, because I just use the kind of liquid spray. Um, Maybe I just can't go from the spray to something that's going to block. Yeah. Um, yeah, I tried it a couple, three times. And each time after two, three days of using it, swollen, swollen glands. Oh my God, that's mad. Mm. That's different. Okay, I was going to jump off and say like we had enough. I'm going to do one more question because I just <laughs> and this will literally tie into what we just spoke about there with the thyroid. Can I do anything for antibodies building in my body to attack my thyroid? Oh, so, this question yeah, to really keep it brief straight away. People don't really realize there's two different types of thyroid issues. One can just be I always say from like your stress, like I always say your thyroid's like your control center in your body. So if you're doing something it doesn't like you set for 10 hours and you're still knackered or like you're in trying to be in a calories deficit and it's not working the way it used to be or you're sitting on the couch wrapped in a blanket and you're freezing cold I would say it's it's things that like your body's regulation isn't working as well so Mm -hmm. this could be a sign like they're very very basic um symptoms there like hormonal issues you seem to be doing everything right and your periods are low as well whatever it is so your thyroid is almost like your control center so one of the main reasons is generally stress and poor gut health we're always going back to the gut here Absolutely. and really impact your thyroid hormone production and then on the other side you could be a little cool as a cucumber and you could have a thyroid issue because of an autoimmune condition you can literally thank your families for this and it's such a genetic thing and I find this often gets missed I have clients who are like yeah I was diagnosed underactive thyroid 10 years ago or you can have overactive thyroid as well with um autoimmune conditions but they're like yeah I was diagnosed 10 years ago um and I'm like is it it's thing called Hashimoto's would be um underactive thyroid and, and then they, graves if it's over yeah graves if it's over yeah and they would never have even heard of this it's, it would never yeah. have been checked for them before so you know, if that's you and you've been on L-troxin for years, you just get your prescription, but you never really feel 100%. I would say like your bloods might look okay and you still feel crap. Like you still feel like you have an underactive thyroid and your doctor's telling you, no, you're fine because you're looking at labs and not looking at symptoms. So in this situation, definitely go and get your thyroid antibodies done to see if it is an autoimmune response. And this approach is a little bit different. It's not always just linked with stress. It's looking at it from an immune response response, yeah yeah. and it's not not just genetics as well it's Mm -hmm. you know we really when we're looking at so when we're looking at the thyroid from we're looking at like a completely different lens like we're looking at now through the immune dysfunction side so like I said if you just had hypothyroidism then obviously if you're not on medication doing things like iron and zinc and selenium would and yeah, did I say iodine? Iodine, yeah, would be supportive for hypothyroid. But if you then had, like, let's say the Hashimoto's autoimmune angle, taking iodine is not okay. So because there's a lot of oxidative stress happening in the th- in the thyroid gland, and iodine is contraindicated with that. And we're coming back then to the gut barrier. So let's say you had a weakened gut lining, and gliadin, the protein from gluten, was getting through into the bloodstream. It actually mimics the thyroid. Um, your thyroid so then what happens is your immune system starts attacking your thyroid thinking it's trying to attack the the gliadin to try to get it out of your blood so this is what leads to autoimmunity or can lead to autoimmunity is your it's your immune system you know it's it your your thyroid is under 
threat. So we got to come at it from, okay, really, really look at, okay, what could you be exposed to and supporting things like your gut, supporting your immune system, reducing a flare, like really getting down to the, the real kind of sciencey. We're looking at, you know, your T cell response, like TH17. We're looking at things like NF-kappa B, all this very important immune activation that happens in with autoimmunity is so different than if it wasn't, if it was just your TSH was high and your T4 and you got more T3. Um, so that kind of, I love that that question came in I know. very last yeah. minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even what say for example I was talking about the water from earlier on like in this kind of situation mm. you know these clients the people we'd be like okay and what's your environment like and where do you live mm. and is there mold in the apartment and is there exposed toxins and it's very much your whole mercury mercury in the mouth yeah yeah like you're kind of looking at things like what is like attacking or what's kind of driving your immune system so it is a little bit complex like definitely if you've Thyroid antibodies are diagnosed with Hashimoto's. I'd say always work with a practitioner because it's such a minefield and everyone is very, very different. But it's just, you know, it's important to understand that just being on altroxin and doing the typical thyroid things may not be enough for you. So if you're feeling all those symptoms, you're like, I feel like I'm doing everything right. The next time you get your thyroid checked, ask for the thyroid antibodies and see if they come back high. Yeah. Um, okay, so... I think that was about 40 minutes, even though we're like, well, keep 20 minutes, keep short and sweet. Like, wouldn't be like us. Um, guys, I hope you really enjoyed this. Um, I suppose say consultation. God, my brain is itchy. It's because we have our group consultation yeah. this evening at yeah. seven. Oh, I can't wait. Hope you enjoyed this consultation. Hope you enjoyed this uh, chat. And actually, this is very much like what our consultations are like. People ask like, random questions and yeah. We normally will answer them like this and just, you know, it's great because I always say like, if you're thinking it, so is somebody else. So it's great to kind of um, answer them from like a really like broad perspective. I'm going to leave the details of the course below um, and perhaps give them a little discount code of listening to this episode. We'll have yes, actually that's, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, that just 100%. came to my head now as I was talking and I was like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say it until we discuss it, but um, we'll leave a little discount code below actually. So if you listen to this we course, will. you want to sign up. Um, the link will be below and we will also link our previous podcast and um, you can find us on go form and connection on instagram i'll leave jess's instagram below and leave myself's instagram below as well in case you have any questions and guys i'll chat to you all in the next episode thank you so much bye